It's time for the Creative Real Estate Podcast, your source for out-of-the-box real estate investing strategies brought to you by ecospace.com. Now, here's your hosts, Adam and Jason. Welcome back to the Creative Real Estate Podcast. I am DJ Scruggs, along with my partners, Adam. Hey, this is Adam Adams. And Manny. Hey, what's up, DJ? Oh, well, things are getting cold here, but it's also starting to heat up. We're doing <laughs> lots of transactions, so um, fall is, is moving in the right direction for us. Um, but we're especially happy today because we have on a guy who does probably more in a month than we do in a year, <laughs> and that is uh, Justin Williams from House Flipping HQ. Hi, Justin. Hey, guys. How's it going? Oh, we're doing well, man. Yeah. How are you? Thanks for coming on, Justin. Yeah, and I, I should mention yeah, he's uh, excited to be here. Justin does uh, both a lot of investing and a lot of podcasting too, and we'll touch on that later on. But but just to uh, set the table here, Justin, can you just kind of fill us in on your backstory, kind of how you got into real estate, what type of investing you do, and and uh, just just set the table for us. Absolutely. So I've been investing for about ten years now, just over ten years. Went to my first seminar in May of two thousand seven. It was. Yeah, the seminar was called short sales <laughs> at the time. I, I didn't even know what a short sell was. I had no idea. I went to the seminar, didn't know anything about real estate investing. I'd read the book Rich Dad Poor Dad like years ago when my parents were in the MLM when, when I was just graduating high school. So I think that was kind of implanted in my head and going around to those MLM meetings with them. And I've always been an entrepreneur at heart. I was selling candy and stuff like that, right? So at the time, I had a, <laughs> I had a satellite dish business at the time. And we have, I had this dream, it was like a year prior to getting into real estate. I thought I'd be a millionaire within a year. I was going to have all these sales teams going selling uh, satellite dish door to door. And uh, within six months, we had $120,000 of debt. We had way too much overhead and not enough sales coming in. And we moved to Bakersfield, California. And I worked my butt off for six months, paid off all the debt, sold in 110 degree heat and just worked harder than I've ever worked in my life. Finally paid off that debt. And that's when we got into real estate because our, our goal was to make enough money so we could do real estate. But I wasn't aware at the time until I became better informed. I read a book, Nothing Down by Robert Allen. And I talked to a couple of friends of mine who were in real estate and went to the seminar. And I realized, oh, like you don't have to have a ton of money to invest in real estate. But I just assumed I had to have all this money or 20% down and, and all this stuff. And so we we're trying to create this money and once we got, you know, at least to the break-even point, I was like, okay, forget this. We're going to go all in in this real estate game, and um, we we didn't look back. So that's kind of how we got going. Yeah, I can relate to that. I mean, I went. I remember going to a seminar probably about ten years ago, and um, I think it might even been one of the Robert Allen ones too. Um, and oh, thinking, nice. <laughs> you know, I can't do this because I need to put twenty percent down and. Um, that was yep. kind of that. And then it wasn't until 10 years later that I thought, well, maybe I should go to a meetup, which is what Adam does. Adam does a lot of meetups. And I realized, oh, there are alternatives. So I can totally relate to that. Um, yeah. And so is your business primarily flipping houses? Uh, currently, yes. Uh, when I started out, I was doing wholesale. I was doing short sales and wholesaling. I started out you know, during the, the top peak when it was like just peaking and ready for the free fall, right? So a lot of people, when they hear when I started, like, oh, you poor thing, how did you survive? And the truth is, I was wholesaling during the time. So I was fine. I never, never didn't lose a dime. Um, but, you know, fortunate, I guess. Uh, maybe, probably, yes. <laughs> uh, but yeah, yes. I was wholesaling. I didn't have money to lose. So 
I didn't have anything I could lose. But yeah, I was wholesaling at the time and it took me like seven months to do my first deal actually. And I was working hard, busting my tail. And part of the reason was because we were doing short sales. And there were many a day when I would say, uh, is this business really work? Right. Like I, I didn't, I was like, I hope it's going to work, but I believed it would. And I kept going and I guess I was naive enough to believe it would. And eventually it did. And I think we made like 22,000 on that first deal. And the funny thing is it took us seven months to do our first deal, but the second deal only took like two months. I was like, okay, this is better. And then the next deal took like six weeks. And the next one was like a month. And before you know it, we we're doing about a deal or two every month. And it was it was good. It was, it was awesome. So changed our life. And you're doing quite a bit more than a deal or two every month now, right? Yeah, we've done since that time. We've done close to 700 flips. Um, in 2011, we started flipping. Pretty much, we went from we had a transition year in 2010 that was actually kind of a little bit of a struggle for us. Um, but in 2011, we started flipping 100% flipping. We did 60 flips in 2010, which was more than we had done the previous three and a half years combined. Wow. Uh, and then the following year, we did 120 flips in the year and we did for our first seven figure income. It was crazy because in 2010, like I said, we had a bit of a struggle and we only did a couple deals because the market was changing. Our niche was changing. We had moved. It was like this perfect storm of horribleness. <laughs> um, I, I won't get into the details, but there was a guy that committed some fraud in my past business. So we we're getting that paid off. And it was a it was a struggle. And for the second time, I felt like I had failed my wife and my family. And I wondered, did I make a mistake by not finishing college and by going this alternative route? Um, but fortunately, we kept pushing through and um, yeah, fell into, you know, learned more about trustee sell buying and REOs and started to put together some some systems and found a really good area to buy got familiar with the area and it just started to all come together and um started the things started to take off so that's that's really awesome this is adam hey justin um a few questions about that it sounds like uh you know you did um a, a few a year and then all of a sudden you did 60 and then you did 120 and since then since 2011 or so You've you've done seven hundred. That's almost a yeah, uh, hundred uh, every single year. Um, that's that's nuts. And so, like, how do you have the time to go into every single one of these houses, you know, with a hammer and nail and uh, and flip a hundred houses? That just sounds <laughs> exhausting. Yeah. So um, I'm really fast. I'm just kidding. <laughs> the, the crazy <laughs> thing is, is uh, that would be a cool I don't superpower. even know how to. That would be a cool superpower yeah, to be able cool. to like rehab a house in <laughs> like a day. Cool. I'm on my I'm on my eighth and ninth flip this year, and I'm I'm stressed out. I'm really really stressed out, and I haven't even been like the contractor on every single one. So I'm just. <laughs> can you tell people how you how you do that? The truth is, and I mean this in all seriousness, like I don't know how to fix houses. I okay. don't know how. I don't even know like. There's so much that goes on in my business that I don't even know how to do. And I don't know if I intentionally don't know how to do it or if I'm just incompetent. I think it's a little bit of both. But like I don't fix things around our house even. My wife is the only one that has power tools in our home. <laughs> and maybe I lost my man I may have lost my man card by saying that. But I feel like I feel like we all have a superpower and I think you can change that superpower and choose what it is, but I think my superpower is getting other people to do things for me and creating systems for that. That's, that's probably one of, if not the only thing that I'm really good at. 
Um, and and it served me well. I, I don't I wouldn't know how to go in and fix a house. I don't even know where to begin. I mean, don't get me wrong, I know what things cost, I know what looks good, or at least hire people that know what looks good. But <laughs> it's not rocket science, right? But I don't need to know how to lay tile to have tile laid. I don't need to know how to lay carpet or hang drywall to get it done. So um, it probably took Henry I mean, Ford, you know. I was just gonna say a lot of people get into this because they want to do that. Or and it must have taken some real confidence to think you can just do this even though you don't really have the construction background. Yeah, and that's why I think for a while I probably didn't do it. I thought I needed money. I thought I knew how to fix houses. I thought I would need to know all these things. And once I learned about this thing called wholesaling, that was kind of my, I believe we all have like an, a, a gate, like you got to get your foot in the door somehow, right? Like what's that one little thing that gets that lever in that door that gets your start, right? And yeah. so for me, it was learning that I could wholesale and I'm like, oh, I don't need money. I don't need to know how to rehab. Boom, let's do this. Right. Awesome. And that kind of got my foot in the door. And then later on, I was like, okay, now I know how to get deals. I know all these things about real estate I didn't know before. Now I got to learn how to get the money and how to uh, get these houses fixed. But once again, I didn't know how to fix them. But I was like, oh, I can find people that can fix them. And that's that's what I focused on. Absolutely. I'm, I think I have a couple follow up questions with that. But first, um, what were you about to say about Henry Ford there? Yeah, I mean, Henry Ford, like one of the most successful people ever. I mean, because of him, we have cars, right? But Henry Ford wasn't the, didn't claim to be the smartest person in the world. I'm the same way. I mean, I barely, I got an 18 on the ACT, which was like the bare minimum that you needed to get into school. And the only reason I got in was because I had a football scholarship. Like, I'm not the brightest tool in the tool shed, but I do know that there are people out there that can do things and will do things for you. So Henry Ford, he just had uh, a, he, like a button, but he had a list of people that he could call up anytime and get anything that he needed. And that's really all you need in this life. If you're willing and able to work with people, it's people that will help you get anything you want. You don't have to know how to do anything other than work with those people. If you can do that, you can get anything you want. So you mentioned that you, you once you started getting traction, you, you started creating systems. Did you go into this thinking, I'm going to do 100 of these a year? Or did that just kind of... No way. Yeah, I, I'm just curious <laughs> how you kind of went from... Years. I'm just curious how you went from, you know, a couple a month or one every other month to, let's say, 40 a year or 50 a year. I mean, what, what was it like? And, and what, what systems did you put in place to, to make that possible? You know, it's kind of strange that the same thing that gives you more free time is also the same thing that allows you to do more or vice versa. The same principles that allow you to do more in your business is also what gives you free time, because the problem is there's not a lack of resources for us to accomplish anything we want to make millions of or billions of dollars for that matter. Resources is not a problem. The problem is only resourcefulness and it's only in between our own ears. What our mind allows us to believe that we can accomplish. There are the people, there's the money, there's the houses, there's there's everything we need. Um, so for me, I just had to overcome that and come to the realization that I could do it. I remember when I was first, I was talking to some of my friends that were, they were pretty high level investors, uh, but not no one was doing 100 deals per year. I said, I, I'm going to do 100 deals next year. It was actually, the way I believed it was I met a guy that was doing 120 deals and I realized he's just a normal person. Yeah. And <laughs> he wasn't wearing a cape. I was like, oh, <laughs> yeah. It's like, well, what one man can do, another man can do, right? I thought, 
and he's not doing it all on his own. He has people helping him. So I just have to surround myself with the team and create the systems to do this. That was my first belief. But I remember being with some friends and they were laughing and they're like, no, you can't do a hundred deals a year. I'm like, well, why not? I said, between the three of us, we're doing a hundred deals a year. So if one person has the right structure in his company, why can't he do like, it was so strange to me. They didn't believe it could be done. It, and I think that's the thing I've always had. Like, even when we had that $120,000 of debt, even though I everyone still had my doubts and concerns, I still felt wealthy because in my mind, I knew it was possible. I'd seen what other people had done. And I really think I have a problem. I think there's a part of my brain that does not work because even today, like I believe that I'm going to create a hundred million dollar business in a year. And I haven't even like come close to that. So why in the world would I have the gumption to think I can do that? But there's something in my brain that just says, why, why can't you? Right. That's awesome. Yeah. So that, that's kind of how it, Again, I mean, I just thought, hey, if I can do this many and now I'm pulling myself out of it, why can't I just get more people getting houses for me and more people fixing the houses? It's, I mean, it's, it's like almost like easier for an elementary child to figure it out because it's just a numbers game and they don't overcomplicate it. You just have yeah. to do, get people to do more of what is going on and you got to get out of the way because you only have so many hours in a day and you got to sleep and eat and, and do other things, right? So when you're the bottleneck, you are limited to what you can do. Once you are no longer the bottleneck, then what you can do becomes exponential. Awesome. Hey, let, let's move on to another part two here. Um, a couple quick questions that, uh, you know, I notice what you're doing. And, you, you know, you and I think a lot of like, a lot alike, and I've been following your podcasts. And I know you have multiple podcasts. Uh, you and your wife have, have one. I'm trying to think of the name. It's like uh, Seven Figure... What, tell me, what was eight, it called? Eight Minute Millionaire. Eight Minute Millionaire. Eight okay. Minute Millionaire. Okay, yeah. yeah. And, um, and uh, from listening to some of those episodes, you guys talk a lot about um, you have, uh, I think you might have had a mentor, but the specific part that I, I, I do recall is that you're a part of a mastermind, and, it, and it was, it's not a cheap mastermind. So let me ask you this. When you went and, and skyrocketed the way that you do business, when you got creative and said, hey... I don't have to be involved in every single thing. I can step back and be more successful. When you figure that out, was that because of your mastermind group or was that because you just, is it something, is it something else? So I have pretty much almost always been a part of a mastermind group. I went to that very first seminar, the guy, and th back in the day, it, so this was a $15,000 program. Today it would be twenty five or 35000 he gets up there. He's like, I've done this business. I'll teach you how it's going to cost 15 grand. It, it took me half of a second to say, okay, like you're going to teach me how to make hundreds of thousands of dollars and it's going to cost me 15 grand. Okay. I'll do that. I didn't even have the money, <laughs> but I knew I'd figure out how to get there. I had a credit card. And I was like, okay, hey, let's do this. Right. Um, so that to me was a no brainer. Even though I realized later on after a few months that the guy hadn't even done the business for six years, he comes kind of lying out of his teeth. We won a car that we did not get. I still had no regrets from paying him that money and joining that group because I, I met a couple people that helped my journey and they were there for me. I could reach out to anytime I wanted and that made it all worth it. Shortly after that, I joined another mastermind group, which is a well-known group, which isn't the best out there, but I still learned enough to make it totally worth it. After that, I was kind of like, okay. And then, but at that time, I didn't even know there was such a thing as a real estate investment club. This was like a couple of years into the business. I had probably spent like 40 grand in education. Fortunately, we'd done some deals. We made some money. So it was like, okay, that's cool. 
Um, I was making more money than you can make from getting a college degree. I'm okay. To, I'm willing to pay for it, right? But then I found out about this thing called Real Estate Investment Club, started to go in these clubs, and that was cool for a while. And I learned a lot of cool things there, but I shortly kind of outgrew those and and realized, eh, a lot of people here are saying you can't buy houses and they're new, and it just wasn't my cup of tea anymore, right? Um, so, and then I was a part of like a local mastermind, which was good, but it's just hard. Like when people don't pay, they don't pay attention. So <laughs> that's true. It was that's kind of this weird. Yeah, it was this weird thing where people would show up and sometimes wouldn't show up and sometimes they were tight lipped. So I actually, um, I was not a part of like a high level mastermind when I got going on all these deals, but doing all those deals helped me qualify for a high level mastermind group, which I was kind of against for a while because I had heard about all these different companies that were charging 25, 35 grand for these groups that would then go send you to like a call center. You know, the, yeah, can I say it? Like the, even though we all love the book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, some of the programs that are out there aren't that great. They're associated with that company. And then you've got all these other people. They'll send out a postcard of a celebrity. You show up. They're not there, of course. And they pitch <laughs> you on a high level program. <laughs> and then they send you to a call center learning from a college kid, right? So yeah. I had this bad taste in my mouth for these groups. I knew a lot of people that got ripped off way worse than I did. And unfortunately, unlike me, they did not do anything with it. And they didn't make their money back. And it was sad to see. That's the um, big part about it. About I, some of these. I'm sorry to cut you off. Uh, that's, but that's a giant no, part is that if you're like you are, you're motivated. You know, you have this part of your brain that just says that there's no end to your potential. Um, there are some yeah. people that say, I'm going to be successful because I spent 30 or 40 or $50,000 no, on an no. education. So because I spent this, I'm going to be successful. And then it's like, wait, but I still have to do work. I still have to figure stuff out. Yes. <laughs> um, you know, if you're going to spend that money, I'm, I, I'm not advocating for anybody's program. But if you're going to spend money on somebody's program, you've got to do it. You've got to dig in and you have to like take a little bit Absolutely. of accountability and vice versa. Like sometimes right. yeah. people can be successful even without taking the education, even by just learning and making mistake after mistake after mistake. And then they can get to where they want. So at any rate, I, I, we do want to keep this a little bit short. We're coming close to the time. This Obviously, you've done a lot of creative things. You're thinking outside the box. You're making things happen the way that not everybody will. Everybody can. But you're doing it a way that not everybody will. And that's amazing. And that's one of the big reasons why we had you on. How uh, I want to transition to this part of the podcast where it, we just kind of, you know, we've done lease options, we've done subject twos. I've helped dozens of, of homeowners get out of a foreclosure situation by helping them do something called a uh, um, loan modification. And I love being able to think outside the box, syndicating apartments because you can't buy it on your own. What, um, as you come through this business and you've done 700 plus flips, like, what is one thing that kind of sticks out to you where you kind of had to think outside the box to get something done, where you had to get a little bit creative to, uh, to get to solve a situation? So, I mean, for me personally, like I don't get super into like the details of the deal per deal, right? Everything I do, it has to be, Hey, we can do this one thing and it's going to help us do X amount of extra deals per year. Right. So a couple of years ago, there was a time where uh, margins were getting kind of tight and I just talked to my team and I said, hey, look, here's the deal. Like when we're making these offers to these sellers, 
we've got to get a little creative at times if we need to. So we'd always go in with a cash offer. And then if there was a time where either their mortgage was too much or they just wanted a little bit more, but we were close, we would bring up the option. I just said, we kept it super simple. I said, bring up the option of either letting them uh, be the lender and do a you know seller carry, or we could do a subject too. I said, and basically I, I ran the numbers with my team. I said, if they're willing to carry the note for us or do a subject to, it'll save us X amount, which means we can push our margins this much more. And that year, I mean, I think it helped us buy an extra 10 houses, which which was cool. And it helped the, the sellers make more money and it was a win-win for everybody. Yeah. You know, um, this is a podcast, so you can't really see what's going on, but uh, all, all three of us are, are shaking our heads. Yes. Like this, this is, this is exactly what we're looking for. So, um, with yeah. that, with that said, you've been able to say, Hey, like, I want to help this person. I want to give them something, but obviously we have to make our margins. So let's let them be the hard money lender. And if they say no, let's let yeah. their mortgage be the hard money lender because Absolutely. it's only five five percent instead of twelve or whatever yep. you know your rates are, yep. but um, that's fantastic. I I love the way that you've done that, and the, I guess the question that the audience probably wants to know is because you did this, like how many subject twos or seller carry fix and flips have you done? Like how because you did that, have you been able to make more money because you got creative? Oh, absolutely, and we've probably done. On around 30 and we, we I'm not like the most creative um, like when it comes down to like the nitty-gritty of this kind of stuff uh, but yeah it's not not rocket science the basics of it and yeah we've probably done around 30 deals that we would not have been able to do otherwise so the, yeah it's been fantastic the way I look at that is is you've been able to actually help five percent of your business you've been able to actually do something for them that nobody else would or could do because you were able to look outside the box yep. and say, hey, let's get it done. That's, yeah. that's amazing. I'm, yep. uh, thank you for, for sharing. Sure. I, I'm just curious, Justin, um, but before we wrap up, you, um, you mentioned that you're kind of a systems guy. Um, can you give us an example maybe of a system or a process you've implemented that, that helps you scale to this level? You you cut out for a second. Oh, sorry. <laughs> a system or process that I implemented that yeah what? no you're that, good that you found just really like kicked it into a higher gear for you. Sure. So okay, <laughs> this could be another you know seminar, right? But basically, every business I don't care what you're doing, flipping houses, whatever, com- comes down to lead generation, lead conversion, conversion, and fulfillment, and. In most businesses, the fulfillment side, it's it's like, okay, how can we make more money for each customer? In real estate, it's how can we maximize our average profit per deal? Like that's really it. So if you break it down into those parts, you really just has to have to systematize how you get your leads, your lead generation, uh, your conversion and your fulfillment. And the whole goal in this business or any business is to create a machine that for every dollar or for every thousand dollars you're spending, you're getting a multiple of that. And if you can do that consistently and proven, then, then it's game over. I mean, you have a seven-figure, eight-figure business, whatever you want. Because if you're going to spend $1,000, if I were to give you guys five grand for every 1000 you gave me, and we could just do that back and forth, how long would you do that? Forever. Just go to the bank, take all... You're you going to do it all day. Get a second mortgage, do everything yeah. you can. Yeah. So too many people in this business worry about, oh, I can't find any deals. I can't find them. Like, 
people got to stop finding the deals. They got to stop worrying about it. They got to create a machine. They got to create a system that it's like a conveyor belt and the deals just come, they just come to you. I have a guy that I work with named, named Bill Allen. I don't know if you guys are familiar with him, but he joined our, uh, we started a high level coaching program a couple of years ago and he came in, he was only doing a couple deals at the time, which I don't know how he made the cut today. That would not fly, but he joined a couple of years ago. was only doing only did two deals last year, did 70 deals. And this year he did, he's on track to do 200 and, and most of those are wholesale deals and whatnot. They're not like huge margins, but he's, he's doing well. He's able to quit his job, take care of his family. It's, it's been pretty amazing. But he talks about how he went from out there trying to find a deal as if he's like pushing over rocks and going through the forest trying to find these deals. And instead, he created these systems. It was like a conveyor belt that he could just pick off what he wanted, flip what he wanted, wholesale what he wanted, keep rentals what he wanted. And that's how people have got to do it. They've got to look at it differently. They've got to have um, what is Steve, Stephen R. Covey talks about having a uh, oh, what did he thought mindset shift. I forget how, the way he described it, but basically they got to have a, a shift in their thinking to think of this business as lead generation and lead conversion, not I can't find any deals. Like, got to get that out of your mind because deals are everywhere. My other coaching partner, Andy McFarlane, is currently doing 25 to 30 wholesale deals a month. People that we coach in our high-level program, most of them are doing anywhere from 50 to 100 plus deals per month. Deals are everywhere. You've just got to put those processes uh, in place. It's all about lead generation, lead conversion and fulfillment. I mean, I could dive in each one of these for literally several hours. Right. Um, well, and what I think is interesting there is you didn't say anything about construction or, you know, getting the best price on, uh, granite countertops, something that's top of mind for me right now. <laughs> so, yeah, so yeah, it's, it's I mean, it really is. I'll give you one little fun tip though, if you want, I mean, go ahead, finish what you're saying. I was going to say, it, it really is a sales and marketing business. That, yes, that's, that's all you, it is. You focus your energy. So something I did several years ago when I was flipping 60 houses, I got really annoyed with having several contractors bid. And then it's like these guys, you got to bid all the contractors and then they come back and then you, you have one and you want to keep working with them. Then price creep happens. I'm like, what the heck? So we were taking all this time and effort. And eventually at the end of the day, we were ending up with, I'd look at the numbers. I'm like, we're ending up about the same place, but it's just taken us forever to get there. So I started running these numbers and I was looking at what we're paying everyone for paint for all these different projects and stuff. And I was like, huh. And this was back in the day. So prices have gone up, but it was about a dollar per foot for square paint for, for, for paint per, per square foot for paint. So if the house was like 2000 square, uh, if the house was like, um, 2000 square feet, we were paying like $2,000 for paint. And I was like, huh, that's interesting. Right. So I started to see these patterns across the board with everything. So what I did is I came up with this price list uh, and and we we used that. I presented to my contractors and said, this is what we're paying you on every house. You no longer have to bid the house. You know, I mean, they would still bid it just to make sure we were in alignment. But it was so cool because my assistant, Vanessa, that knows even less than I did about construction or fixing houses, was easily able to look at the house look at their bid, make sure it matched up what we needed. It matched up our numbers. We didn't have to get multiple bids. They got plenty of work, so they were happy. They didn't have to go bid multiple projects. They knew they were going to get the house. We knew where they were going to come in at. We were all on the same page, and that has that one thing has been huge. I could go. I could name 10 other things just about project management, but yeah, it's... That's terrific. Yeah, thanks a lot for sharing that, Justin. So we're, we're running out of time here, but I just want to make sure um, that our audience knows, where, where can they find you online? 
Sure. So depending on what level you're at, you can go to housewhippinghq.com uh, or check out the House Whipping HQ podcast. That's where I do a lot of my, my free stuff, my podcasts and whatnot. Um, if you are a high-level investor who's making at least a six-figure, preferably multiple six-figure income, you can go to sevenfigureflipping.com and check out our seven-figure program. The, that group is full of people who are making multiple six and seven figures. Um, that's what That's my main stuff. So. That's terrific. Yeah, no other questions. Well, actually, we got about a thousand other questions. So <laughs> right, we, we don't have any <laughs> if we time. Had time. So, <laughs> so, but we really appreciate let's your keep going. Talk. Let's keep going. Yeah, we really appreciate your coming on, <laughs> Justin. It, this is uh, this is really great stuff. Awesome, appreciate you guys having me. It's been a lot of fun. Thank you so much for listening to the Creative Real Estate Podcast. And if you got value from this episode of the podcast, please take the time to leave us a rating and review on iTunes. Give us a written rating and a review. We really, really appreciate it. I'm going to let you go. But until next time, think outside the box.